Let's go. The full pads are on, baby. Come Heck on. Yeah. Come on. We're back. Kevin's Corner. Kevin Bowen. Chris Presley. Just told me the great nephew of Elvis Presley. <laughs> How about that? I didn't get any money. It's all good. Was that right? Great nephew? I don't know. It sounded right. So my grandfather was Elvis's uncle. So what is that? First or second cousins? Boom. Something like that? Sounds like a brother to me. In some cities in Indiana, that is that you could <laughs> just be his brother. So. Well, when you grow up in Memphis, Tennessee, the, the question <laughs> is always like, so are you related to... Uh, I can imagine. Yeah, sorry that never hit me. Um, Ben Polizzi was in the studio before us, and he just threw that out there. So, boom, here we are. Um, Yeah, three days of full padded practices complete for the Colts. An off day on Thursday. We're coming at you late afternoon on a Wednesday. Um, We'll try to stick to this routine, kind of an off day every four days here for the Colts. So, we'll we'll try to do a pod whenever – there's a little bit of break in action, and I can't encourage people enough. 1075thefan.com. I've got daily notebooks up there, our YouTube page as well, daily video recaps, and then the pod once every four days. Mm-hmm. So I know we've had some great numbers so far, but uh, if for some reason you guys are missing that or need to scratch the itch a little bit more, we've got you covered on uh, all platforms. Kevin, I can't tell you how excited I was driving in today. We, we, like everyone else, we get so tired of these buzzwords like normalcy. Mm-hmm. But when oh, the yeah. NBA playoffs are on, the NHL playoffs are on, you've got good golf going on. Indy 500. Indy 500 this weekend. Baseball figured it out when I didn't think they were going to. And now we got training camp. Yeah, it, it's. Um, I was kind of a kid on Christmas morning on, on Monday. Like I told my wife, I'm like really excited <laughs> today. And she's like... You know why? Or you know, I I I don't think it hit her yet that I was you know going over to the Colts complex to watch my first practice since late December. You know, usually we watch them in OTAs and rookie mini camp, so that's at least probably a dozen times mm-hmm. that I would have already seen them in 2020. And, and and I guess I I definitely want to let our listeners know I feel more of a responsibility this year without fans in the building. Absolutely. Like I I've always and I think our listeners know this, I'm beyond passionate about my job, and I love camp. I love watching it. And this year I know full well that I'm the eyes and ears for a lot more than just what our normal audience is. Yeah. So I'm trying to pay attention as much as I can when I'm out there. Uh, I, I, I do feel like before we get in the podcast and we'll go through kind of my takeaway so far of camp and then, you know, tons of Twitter questions, we always have to throw in the caveat, Chris, of, we are three days into training camp. So, like, instead of me saying that 67 times the rest of this podcast, just note, like, we are three days into training camp. Yep. What I am telling you is what my eyes and ears have seen, observed, been told, those sorts of things. And take that with it what you will. I'll, I'll try to interject if I think these are, you know, long-term signs, short-term signs, all of that. But, um... Yeah, I just feel like <laughs> I just want to make sure that we all set the expectations of I have watched camp for three days, and what I'm about to tell you is what I've seen for three mm-hmm. days, and that can change in a hurry for the good, for the bad, whatnot, and I'll continue to update things, but this is a um, it's a fluid, another word that we use a lot here in 2020, a fluid situation, but man, the fact that I have actually watched three straight days of NFL practice like I said, man, continue to be optimistic. Continue to be optimistic. This is, um, yeah, I am. Uh, 
Boy, I'm Tiger Woods walking into a Perkins restaurant. I am a <laughs> I am a happy, happy individual right now. Was it like the first day of school seeing all the media compadres that you're used to seeing on on more of a regular basis sure. and catching up with them and finding out, you know, what they've been up to? I know you, I know you stay in contact with a lot of them anyway, but yeah, I mean, it took about five minutes before I was annoyed at Mike Wells asking me golf questions, <laughs> but no, I mean, obviously, in all seriousness, just to see all of them and. You know, I think also, and not to get on a soapbox, because we all have been hit by this in different ways, you know, our jobs have been impacted. Some of our jobs have been greatly impacted yeah. by this. So we know full well that um, we are very happy to be out there and uh, glad to be producing content for you guys. So while you're out there, if we want to jump right into the recapping of your first three days, seeing uh, seeing some of the takeaways, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Everyone's excited about Philip Rivers. You and I were talking before the podcast just a little bit about how different it is to see him under center and his style of throwing. But is there a buzz out there with him? Well, I, I would say let's start with that motion. I mean, it, it is, it's, you know, spastic in a way. Like it's Charles Barkley swinging a golf club <laughs> at, at times because you have the two guys that throw after him most all, and, and really Chad Kelly deserves to be in this group as well. I mean, Jacoby Brissett is a nice motion, mm -hmm. a big arm. Jacob Eason, like literally a Greek god-looking figure throwing the football. I mean, it is gorgeous watching him throw. Rivers throws, and you're like, what the f What just happened, you know? And so, obviously, watching it in person mm -hmm. and, you know, several feet away from him is totally different than, than even seeing it on TV. Um, but I would say after three days, Chris, so far, what I expected. The ball comes out quick. Mm-hmm. He is an extreme command of this offense. I think at times we think Rivers is in panic mode more often because the release is so weird. And I don't think he's really in that often of panic mode. I think it's just he's made his progressions. He's right. made his reads. And sure, he's sliding in the pocket, and the ball is going to come out at a whatever degree angle that looks different than 98% of NFL quarterbacks in the history of the game. So... Um, the reasons the Colts got him, wanted to get him, I've seen. Again, quick rhythm and command, uh, decisiveness, those things, I have seen. I've also seen a couple hero ball throws where it's just, like, you thought Jack Doyle was going to run underneath that? I mean, you can't lob a ball up over the middle of the field. And yeah. you know, today he throws a deep ball that, Campbell is has no separation with George Odom. And it's just kind of like, all right, that's 5'11 Paris Campbell against six foot George Odom. I mean, that's not a great jump ball situation, but it's certainly a throw that Jacoby wouldn't have made last year. So I, I have seen pretty much what I thought I would see from him. A heavy amount of the running backs and tight ends for sure. Him and TY, you know, look to be on the same page, even though Hilton um, had one of the rest days. So, um, yeah, I mean, so far, I don't think my expectations have changed too much with him. You know, Campbell had a – I guess I'm just thinking about some of the other guys that pop into my head, and feel free to interject if you have anybody that mm -hmm. um, that's on your mind. Campbell had an outstanding day two, really good – really, I, I think a really good first two days. Today was terrible, to be honest. Um, muffed two punts. Had a drop on a just a beautiful in stride crosser that that Rivers put right in the like. You don't need to slow down one yeah. bit. It's twenty yards for ninety percent of receivers. It's probably going to the house for you. And he dropped it. My question goes back to the word used with jump ball. What have we seen out of Pittman 
and some of the other rookies that I know a lot of our listeners are going to be intrigued with with paying yeah, attention to. Yeah, let me finish one thought on, okay. on on Campbell. We really didn't see him practice much last camp. You know, he yeah. got hurt on the fourth day. It, you know, ended up being Andrew Luck's final day of of training camp or ever of practice. But you know, once you get in the regular season, you only watch twenty minutes of practice. So. It was. This has kind of been my. I mean, Paris Campbell's practiced for three straight days in full pads. He never did that last training camp. So, when you watch him, it's just like that dude has a different gear than anyone else on the field, and his ability to separate in the short areas of the field that is rare. So mm-hmm. I think, again, stay healthy for sure. Obviously, a couple drop muffs today that that weren't great, but that's what I've noticed with Campbell. As far as Pittman, you know. Frank Reich admitted there's been some mental issues with him, you know, and I think I think Frank has almost a great sort of barometer because he has this guy in Campbell who's in year two, who was a second-round pick, and he's got right. this guy in Pittman who was a second-round pick in year one, and he can see full well the mental capacity of each and what a year in an NFL system does for the mm-hmm. other. So I think that's been a little bit for Pittman. We haven't seen the jump balls as much, okay. which is something I'd like to see in 11-on-11 11 11 settings. You know, one-on-ones, you can kind of see it. I would say the thing about Pittman that I'll always be curious about, and this was probably the biggest knock on him coming out, was can he separate enough? Like, naturally, at 6'4", 220, you're going to create some sort of separation. And Rivers has thrown him the ball, and, like, with his body, he doesn't need to create tons of separation. But I think that will be the question with him. Um, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, flat-out stud on Tuesday. It was just, uh, <laughs> I mean, you had Tavon Wilson, another DB, just fly off him trying to tackle him. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, more like trying to wrap up because you don't live tackle at this yeah. point. But, he, he uh, again, another gear. Just And this is what I've I said all along. So many people wanted to pigeonhole him with the other Wisconsin running backs. And I'm like, guys... Monte Ball doesn't run four three. Uh, Melvin Gordon doesn't run four three. Ron Dane, dude, that dude's at Long's Donuts trying to get a rewards card. I mean, he, he's not running four three. Like Jonathan Taylor's a different breed. Yeah. So when he gets to the second level, yeah, I don't know if he scoots or what. What, what just changes? Yeah. But it's a burst, man. And uh, this is nothing against Marlon Mack because I think Marlon Mack's been very solid. Catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit more than I thought he would. But, um, yeah, Taylor was pretty special on Tuesday. Uh, who else? Trey Burton's been pretty consistent. I Disappointed I don't see Mo Cox yet still on the pup list. Yeah. You know, we're starting to get to that point where it's like him and Kamoko Turi, like, um, I mean – Season is less than a month away, and and you know especially for a guy like Ture, which we can get into a little bit later, you wonder about that. I, I'd say lastly on the offense, Chris, uh, no Braden Smith yet. He's doing some on-field drill work off to the sides. So he looks like he's pretty close a foot injury, and, and when I've seen, when I first saw him sitting out on Monday, my thought was this: that's one of the biggest fears for this season, losing an offensive lineman, yep. especially a tackle. And then I also thought. Well, if it's nothing serious, it's great reps for LaRaven Clark at right tackle right now. Which you tweeted, you felt like he had a good he a was, good day the other you day. You know, he's been okay in the one-on-ones, and I don't want okay to sound so negative. Like, 
okay as an upgrade from what he usually is. So let's state it what it is. Um, I, I I think he's been he's been okay. I mean, it's it's um, not horrific, which oftentimes with him it's been like that mm-hmm. when he's gotten in games. So I don't know if right tackle is a better spot for him than left or what. But um, again, it's kind of twofold there. It's great that Clark's getting reps, but it also still is just like, you know. LaRaven Clark blocking to Nico Autry or Al-Kadeen Muhammad is different than the first third down of the season when it's Yannick Ngakwe and Josh Allen. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, that, that, that that's kind of what stood out to me so far on the offensive side. Well, let's jump to the defensive side of the ball. Storylines there. Yeah, I guess let's, let's start with the injury to Kenny Moore. Strained his yep. groin on... Monday, I think it was, um, chucked his helmet on the ground, so you knew it was something mm-hmm. uh, of of notableness, if that's a word. Um, going to be out at least a week. You know, anytime you hear that, Chris, it's kind of like, boy, at least a week. Does that mean two? You know, right. that's that's kind of one of those things with him. And I look at it very similar to the Braden Smith injury. Chris Ballard went on a little bit of a rant last year at the season-ending presser about the loss of Kenny Moore late last season and how the Colts did not have an acceptable backup nickel corner. And it was a very um, intricate detail in the season that our diehard listening audience probably caught, but you know the common fan probably overlooked. And it was a big reason why they went out and they signed TJ Carey and then drafted Isaiah Rogers, two guys that are both kind of nickel mm-hmm. um, guys, even though their body type's a little different. So now that Kenny Moore's out at least a week, boom, here you go, TJ Carey. What an opportunity to cont- – I mean, he's got a nice resume, but, like, show a new team where you're at at the age of 30. Um, man, Moore was only out there for a few plays, but he is he's the most instinctive football player, I think, on this football team. And that's saying something because, I mean, Leonard and Hilton are crazy instinctive. Right. and But Moore is just a different – he's just a different breed, man. So – um. That injury, Xavier Rhodes out on Tuesday with illness. Boy, that corner depth without Marvell Tell. I know it, man. It's gotten tested in a hurry. We'll, we'll get in some of those names. And, again, I encourage people to read the daily notebooks. I mention, I try to mention, like, a handful of names each day that have stood out for various reasons. And some of those corners, like Lafayette Pitts and Travis Reed, I mean, mm-hmm. who the hell are those guys? <laughs> they've been getting – they've been either doing well or getting – meaningful reps and so um you know that's twofold there's good and bad with that of course you know thank the lord for the Colts that rocky scene continues to be available and healthy so um i do have a quick defensive back question for you yeah yeah, yeah. we talked about rivers um throwing motion mm-hmm. and typically that doesn't make a difference to a receiver because once you come out of your break the ball is supposed to be there have, has anyone asked any of the f- defensive backs if it's weird to read him and practice the way he throws based on how other quarterbacks do? It's a good question. No, he, I don't think anybody has been asked that specifically. Um, yeah, I would think one thing from the DBs is just you, you have a good feeling it's coming out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And so that's more kind of the blanketing earlier and routes that is such a key and I think needs to improve for this team. Um, but no, that is that is a good question that I feel like I should ask. Um, speaking of DBs, while we're on it, Malik Hooker, I thought, has probably had the best defensive play of camp so far. And it just went down as a pass breakup. Um, and I won't get into like a ton of the detail on it, but basically, 
I thought the Colts did a great job pre-snap, looking like a disguising scheme. You know, tons of guys at the line of scrimmage and just did a beautiful job with that. And, and Hooker makes a great play on the ball. And again, I thought it was a beautiful play. And this was on Tuesday when he made it. And then today, uh, Wednesday, Frank Reich was asked about Malik's camp so far. And uh, Frank said he went into the quarterback room after that practice, after the Tuesday practice, and they're starting to watch film. And, like, Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett are just in awe of the ability that Hooker had to make that pass break up in front of Jack Doyle. Um, Love to hear that. Kind of like the Hooker pick last year in mm-hmm. week one in, in L.A. when <laughs> Rivers was like, I saw him. I didn't think he could get there. <laughs> like, it's not like I didn't see him. So, um, so far, so good for Hooker. Good. So far, so good for Tyquan Lewis, two guys that we have talked about a lot on this podcast and that need huge years. You know, Malik, I, I really thought took more than the high road today. First time we've spoken to him since, you know, mm-hmm. contract declined and and the drafting of Julian Blackman. So it looks like since his, you know, Instagram story after all of that happened back in the spring, someone has gotten to him and um, he used the phrase, a motivational call is kind of what this offseason has been for him. He's not rehabbing an injury for the first time in his NFL yep. career. Um, he, you know, he called himself a B plus player last year is what he graded out on. In his opinion, feels like he needs to do a couple of things this year: find the ball more, be more consistent in general, uh, be the quarterback of that secondary. You know, yep. now that there is no Clayton Gathers and there is no Pierre Desir even, and then lastly, um, when they use you as a box safety. You know, do some stuff up there, which isn't his forte, I know. So, um, good to hear from him. Tyquan Lewis, probably been one of the better players on the defensive side of the ball so far. Just quick, playing the interior. He knows. He he gets it. Uh, and this is not only my opinion. Frank Reich has mentioned both of these things as well. Um, so, yeah, that's what stood out defensively. Buckner, you know, pretty quiet. But, again, I mean, defensive linemen, it can be hard. Buckner, for some reason is not participating in the one-on-one drills. Okay. I'm like, uh, uh, you know, are they afraid of him? Is it like, well, if we hand the ball off to the fourth grader, that's better than everybody. We know what the result <laughs> will be. Because uh, he literally looks like he's the biggest kid, kid on the playground when you go out there to practice. Um, but, yeah, Buckner uh, practiced two days so far. Um, yeah, man, that's that's about it. One thing that they're probably not thrilled with, a lot of the defensive players being the higher numbers on the team, do we want to jump into the special teams and talk about the kicking situation we have going on right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, So basically, we've only seen them kick Chase McLaughlin versus Rodrigo Blankenship one day Mm -hmm. in full pads. That was yesterday indoors, ironically enough, because it was raining. Um, So what Frank Reich has basically done is he assigns 1-49 to jersey number to one kicker. And 50 to 99 to the other kicker. And I think moving forward, again, we've only been out there for one day. I think they will flip. You know, some days 50 to 99 is for Blankenship. Some days 50 to 99 is for Chase McLaughlin mm-hmm. and whatnot. So McLaughlin made all seven of his kicks on Tuesday. 47, 49, 52 yards in there. Blankenship made all of his but one. I think it was the 47 or 49 he missed off the right upright. And so all the big guys had to run. 50, 50 through 99 <laughs> had to run. So, again, just a little bit of, like, something yeah. that Frank Reich is trying to do to change it up. He alternated them kicking as well. 
Uh, you know, it wasn't like, all right, we'll have two field goal sessions in practice and Blankenship will kick in one and McLaughlin will kick in the other. It was, you know, one guy here, one guy next. Um, I like how the ball comes off both their feet, legs. Yeah, I mean, it's there. there's a nice – I don't think any of them are, you know, going to break an NFL record for distance, but – and this this is gonna sound harsh, but the ball just comes off their leg better than it did for the kicker last year. Yeah, and, and I just think that's the reality of it. So, um, I think I've said in this podcast, I would lean towards Chase McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. I just I, I feel better about his NFL resume, and and I just like his quiet confidence. And um, again, it's been one day. They went thirteen to fourteen, so <laughs> great work by both of them as well. And uh, I'll be excited to watch that unfold as. Uh, as camp rolls along. You think it's safe to say regardless of who wins, the one who doesn't win that position will likely be kicking in the NFL somewhere this year? It's a great question. You know, yes, but the lack of preseason games, it just it, it kind of throws it out the window. You know, we had that question a few weeks ago like, oh, the Vikings traded that kicker one year for mm-hmm. a fifth-round pick, or maybe the Vikings gave up a fifth-round pick. I forget what it was. Well, that dude made all his kicks in the first preseason game and hit one from, like, 55. And, like, Blankenship has a gorgeous college resume. But still, like, it's different in the NFL. So, Mm -hmm. unless they're, like, literally reading our notes and saying, "Uh, according to the scribes in Indy, you know, (laughs) Blankenship's 98% this year. Like, now, kickers are, you know, about as reliable as, you know, iPhone chargers. So, I think it's something to wear. Uh, yeah, I, I would expect both of them to be kicking the NFL at some point this season. Awesome. All right, well, we have a ton of Twitter questions. Want to jump into those? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, again, I feel like it's a weekly caveat. We know we'll not get to all of them. So I've already kind of put a probably a dozen, honestly, into uh, next week's column. So well, let's uh, let's get after it. Let's kick it off with Nathaniel on PFT with Mike Florio. Chris Sims made the comment that the Colts' defense has no game cha- had no game-changing players until we added DeForest Buckner. Do you agree? No, not at all. Um, I don't. <laughs> Darius Leonard. I mean, hello. <laughs> like, come on. No, that's yeah. Boy, I love it. I, every time someone slights Leonard, though, I'm like, good. Yeah, I Keep guess. Keep going. Certainly. Keep going. It, it's weird. Like, it, and the Pacers get this a lot. You know, fans get so mad about the lack of national attention with the Pacers. But then I'm always like, don't the Pacers play better as underdog? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's weird. I'm like, every time I feel like the Pacers have a hyped-up game, it, like, doesn't really go according to plan. But yet when no one's watching them on a Tuesday night against the Bucks, you know, right. here you go. So, um, yeah, I mean, Leonard for sure would fall into that category. It's incredible the numbers he's put up. Uh, healthy Hilton, I'd put it in that category as well. Matt wants to know, what would you say as of right now are the Colts' top three needs for next year's draft slash offseason to keep this team moving in the right direction? Quarterback, without a doubt. Um, Probably offensive tackle or corner. I I don't know what I would have two, what I would have three on there. They'd be very close. But, yeah, if you're going to go top three needs, that's where I would go. And, you know, some of that's long-term. You know, some people might be like, well, we got still got Rivers, Costanzo. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, but, I mean, moving in the right direction. I mean, this is a this is a long-term question here. Speaking of Rivers, Tall says it seems like the, the, the whole team feels more comfortable and confident with him under center. Do you feel that in practice and in the interviews? I do. You know, I, I know Jacoby Brissett is still beloved 
in that locker room, especially by the defensive guys. Anthony Walker, I think, actually, um, Brissett lives with Anthony Walker. Um, but, you know, Chris, I think it comes down to this. Like, I mean, do you want to win or not? You know? Yep. It's like, you know, you're in fifth grade and you're in the backyard picking teams for whatever. And, yeah, you want to pick your best friend, but you also want to freaking win. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's just it's the NFL, folks. And so I think Rivers, what he brings is just, is just a whole lot of respect of, like, mm-hmm. damn. I respect his passion. I respect his work ethic. I respect how he goes about his business and just him as a teammate like again we can get into the rivers debate about him as a player at the age of 38 39 but him checking those boxes yeah i don't i i I would hope that everyone in that locker room can can get by that and realize that this that was the best move for the team caleb wants to know what expectations should we have this year for the offense he feels like hitting 2,000 rushing yards is doable. The passing game, he's not so sure of. He feels like we've got weapons, including Reich. But we, can we finally take that next step and consistently flourish? Flourish. Um, Offensive line is key for me. Okay. I think they're kind of the domino. You know, of if your line is really good, dude, it's going to be hard for Rivers to screw it up. Right. It really, and, and the run game, obviously. Um. So, yeah, that's – I think if the offensive line can be that dominant unit, I, I don't see any reason why this – I mean, 2,000 yards last year on the ground, so you'd expect that again. And then um, the passing game should improve. He also wants to know, did he hear correctly in the last pod, that we will be having biweekly podcasts? Yeah, Caleb, it, I don't know if it'll be biweekly immediately. You know, the Colts off days are kind of weird when they fall on the schedule. Uh, but once we get in season, you know, Chris and I will have to sit down and figure it out. But, yeah, I would like to stick to kind of that Monday recap pod, if we will, and then come back. I think we did maybe Thursday mornings last year or Wednesday afternoons or something to kind of preview the upcoming game. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely try to stick with that. Joseph wants to know about Banigou. He hasn't heard or seen anyone mentioning him yet. How is he doing in camp so far? Yeah, Joseph, this will be my three-day caveat, you know, of, okay, this is what I've seen for three days. Um, I haven't noticed Ben Banigou once. I haven't. Um, I guess that's a lie. I I, I think he um, filled out more, thicker. I don't know. Just something physically looks a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But I just continue not to see explosion, pop, burst. You know, this is a guy that they talked about being a linebacker when he was first drafted. I mean, I'm thinking, wow, linebacker turned defensive end. That means a dominant speed trait. Mm-hmm. That means a twitchy, twitchy yep. athlete that can make some – that probably needs to put on weight, if anything, to become a full-time defensive end. And I just don't see it and haven't seen it. I didn't see it much last year. And, again, three days in, a lot of crickets in that camp. Um you know, Justin Houston was out Monday and Tuesday. I think he was back today, and Kamoko Ture is still out. Right. So there are some golden defensive oh, yeah. end reps to be had, and it's been to Nico Autry, and it's been Al-Kadeen Muhammad, 
and I don't know if I've seen Banigou with the first team for more than you know a couple of reps. So, you know, part of this is a logjam of that position, but even in the one on ones, I just yeah, I saw one today where he beat. It was either Clark or Car- Carter O'Donnell, the undrafted kid out of Canada. Yep. And this is me inferring something from the defensive line coach, Brian Baker, but it almost seemed like, finally. Like, finally. You didn't get stoned. Yeah. Because that that that's what it's been. So, um, yeah, if there's one, you know, of the, of the higher draft picks that we always talk about and fans rightfully so are incredibly curious about, this is the one that I haven't seen much of early on. Tony wants to know your thoughts on the cover two defense that the Colts play. You know, Tony, uh, listeners of this pod know full well. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I I, I like to dictate more. You know, I, I've always said this. Frank Reich is such a just a beautiful mind. Yeah, man, I've used the word beautiful like three <laughs> times already. I feel like I'm talking. It's a sunny you. day. Camps back in. You're in your element. I know, I feel beautiful like is on your mind. It's talking okay. To Rosie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I like chess matches. I like out-scheming. I like that aspect of the game of when you play on Monday through Saturday, why not use that on Sunday, you know? Like, they give you six days to plan um, and rest, so you might as well utilize it. And I just don't feel like the defense does enough of that. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, I'll go back to the hooker pass breakup that I saw on Tuesday. There was some stuff pre-snap that I'm like, hold the phone. The, whoa, like, that's funky. That's 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 curious. Um like to see more of that. Like to see more of that. From Nate, it sounds like he hasn't gotten a ton of reps yet, but early thoughts on Eason and could he be the quarterback of the future? Two things, Nate. First, um I hate no preseason games. I like, know. It. There's just not much time in practice to get these guys reps. Pretty much what happens. I think on the first day, Jacob Eason and Chad Kelly each threw two passes in 11-on-11. 11 11. Two. Awesome. You know, literally. I'm just like, like when they have Eason in there, I'm like, do you really need to run the ball? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Do I need to see Darius Jackson or Bruce Anderson, whoever the running back is, you know, carry the football? Um, so that's been a little bit disappointing. I mean, Kelly gets – a decent amount of reps, and there's been times where probably Kelly's been the more productive 11-on-11 quarterback. I still, that in no way um, changes my opinion on who should be the number three QB on this 53-man roster. But, um, you know, watching Eason in one-on-ones and seven-on-seven, you know, Chris, he is a, um, he's an incredible thrower of the football. He is. He's, um, he's just built. He's, Got that ideal frame for what you would have created a Madden quarterback, you know, 15 years ago. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I uh, I see. So, I mean, those two guys pretty much get like two sessions, maybe three of practice. So not a, not a lot. It's just there hasn't been a lot of 11-on-11 success with Eason. Um, could he be the quarterback of the future, Nate? I, I probably not but I'm willing to take a chance and willing to let that chance ride out past September 5th when roster cuts are. Greg's question this week, he wants to know how comfortable you feel with the Colts secondary. It seems like depth is an issue. Yeah, Greg, I'm not very comfortable with it. You know, no more in Rhodes yesterday, and all of a sudden I'm looking at my roster a bunch to be like, who is that number? Okay, (laughs) who is that guy? 
Um, safety depth, I probably am a little bit more comfortable with, to be honest. Tavon Wilson had a pick the other day. He gets in. Feels like Allen Williams' safety coach is rotating Malik Hooker and Kari Willis out, like, after every three plays. Um, like when today, when Odom made the pick, that was the whole starting defense in there. Odom and Wilson were the safeties for okay. Hooker and Willis. Um, I guess Hooker and Willis have been a little banged up in their career, so I don't know. Maybe that's something that you're trying to do there. But, um, you know, safety depth I actually think is okay, and, you know, we'll see when Julian Blackman gets on the field. Corner depth to me would be, um, damn, some Center Grove defensive lineman just got offered by Clemson. Wow. To know Clemson was recruiting Indianapolis defensive linemen. Um, Clemson, Clemson looked for the schools that have COVID since they do as well, and they said, hey, Center Grove, let's go. There you go. That's that's smart there, I guess. <laughs> um, Good for him. Yeah, so uh, corner depth, worried, worried. Scott's going to throw a little bit of a curveball here before we jump back into a football question. What show are you binging right now or binge during quarantine that you rec- would recommend? Well, Scott, I'd recommend sports right now. Um <laughs> Yeah, I I mean sports yep. are on, folks, yep. and I, I I'm kind of like, wait, I need a previous channel. I there's a couple things on mm-hmm. right now. Uh, what 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 have I watched? You know, I'm not a big I'm not a big show movie person. We just watched this movie with Tom Hanks. Um, that narrows it down. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, Captain Sully. Yeah, they're landing the plane on the Hudson River. I believe he's from Purdue. The actual captain. Really? It's from Purdue University. Wow, I didn't. That would have been great insight uh, if I could have dropped that nugget uh, watching the movie. Yeah, um, not bad. I think the story's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, movie was a little bit like, I don't know. I guess, yeah. yeah, it seemed like more of a documentary. I would have liked than a movie. Uh, we watched the Jennifer Aniston TV anchor show. Don't know that one. Um, I forget what it's called. And um, Reese Witherspoon, I want to say, is the other one. Obviously, watch Tiger King. <laughs> I'm trying to think quarantine so damn long. What else? My wife's watching Shameless right now. Yeah. So there you go, Scott. So jumping into his football question, he also wants to know, did Tannenbaum have a point saying Mac was subpar last season or is the criticism he's getting for that tweet justified? No, no, no. Did, I, I think our listeners saw it. Mike Tannenbaum, go yeah. ahead and fill him in if, if, if they haven't seen it. Uh, did you see this? I did not. Okay, pull up or Mike Tannenbaum subpar. Pull it up. Read it. Re- read it to the folks. Um, it just uh, national guys can 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 tend to piss me off. Do you see it? I'm scrolling through here. Let's see. Not as of yet. Hopefully, you deleted it for his sake. Let me do this. Let me see if I can find it here. Mike Tannenbaum. I mean, freaking Jets and uh, Dolphins. <laughs> you can see why he didn't last long with those people. I got a rookie running back, Jonathan Taylor, has the potential to see 40 to 45% of carries this season for the Colts. The addition of Rivers and the subpar performance from Marlon Mack during 2019, along with the best offensive line in the NFL, leaves Taylor stop, with the stop, recipe for stop, success. Stop. Subpar, Mar- I mean, what in the I don't know how I didn't see that. I like just idiotic, you know. And I know Mike Tannenbaum's been on our airwaves, so maybe I shouldn't be saying all this. But I mean, how don't I mean? Even if you just looked at his stats, like if you didn't watch the Colts play last year and you just looked at his stats, eleven hundred yards, (laughs) 
Um, you know, whatever, four and a half per carry, like 14 games. What is subpar about that? Right. So I'm just like, yeah, I am. Um, yeah, it just, it, it pisses me off because that's, you know, a lot of people consume their media via people like that. And I get it. It's difficult to keep a pulse on 32 NFL teams, but just look up the freaking stat. If nothing else, just right. look up. The, you're sending out a tweet. You don't have to send that out. Like, um, totally idiotic. And yeah, I mean, look at the Colts record without Marlon Mack. It's like one and eight. It's something terrible. So gosh, yeah. Scott's got me fired up. Scott's last question was, uh, the Colts backfield is top blank in the NFL. Oh, I hi. I mean, top three. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, Baltimore maybe. I, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, very high. I mean, we're talking. Yeah, Mac Taylor, Hines, Wilkins. Yeah, I don't. I'd say top three running back group in the NFL. Jorge, who's having a better season, Paris Campbell or Michael Pittman? Campbell, if he stays healthy. Uh, this one's from Casey. Who is most? Who is the most impressive athlete on the team as of right now? Boy, Casey, it's a good question. You know, especially with Ballard drafting off so many of these testing. I know. You know, um, I've always thought Zach Pascal's a really good athlete. Might not be the best tester, but like, just a great athlete. Probably multiple sports. Honestly, the best looking guy in pads is probably EJ Speed. Like. 6'3", 230, just rips and can run. I mean, yeah. it's just like, damn, that <laughs> dude looks great. And, yeah, take that for, uh, yeah, I guess that probably sounds weird to some people. But, um, I mean, Taylor obviously is a great athlete. So, yeah, I mean, those are the guys. Buckner is a tremendous athlete. I mean, they're all very unique in their own right. But, yeah, uh, yeah. EJ Speed, he, um, yeah. From Dr. P, what young wide receiver is going to potentially make a difference this year during the season? Well, Dr. P, I don't I really don't think any. I guess well, I guess Campbell, if you call him a young wideout. I, I don't know if this question refers to more of like name me a wideout that's not on Campbell or Pittman radar. Mm-hmm. Um I I will say this, a guy that I mentioned in today's uh, notebook that I haven't really thought too much of, but I probably should, is um a guy by the name of Chad Williams. Some fans will know him, some fans won't. Third round pick of the Cardinals out of Grambling, I believe, in 2017. Was mostly on the practice squad for the Colts last year. Uh, had a really good day and is getting earlier reps than Patman okay. or Doolin or eh, maybe Fountain, but him and Fountain are probably close. It's pretty notable. Yeah. So, um,. So, yeah, I, I would say he might be a name that kind of – Marcus Johnson hasn't practiced yet, so that's kind of opened the door for some other guys. And I would call – I would say he's in that um, in that group. Kev, it wouldn't be a podcast without an Andrew Luck question, and this one comes from Aaron. If Luck does not retire, does Chris Ballard still trade the first-round pick to get DeForest Buckner? You know, Chris, um, Monday is the one-year anniversary. Um, I think Monday, maybe Sunday of um, – Andrew Luck retiring. So I will have a piece on it. Um, and it, it is kind of like this. It's This is one of the questions I pose. Like, what would the Colts look like now? Yep. And um, it's a really good question, Aaron. I mean, if Luck plays last year, 
what, 10 and 6, 11 and 5 at least. So that means you're drafting 25 overall. Mm-hmm. Does San Fran do the trade? That's where my head went. I don't know if that deep of a draft pick gets to Forrest Buckner. Now, the Colts had some ammo. You know, you had True. 34 and you had 46 or 44, whatever it was. Or I guess that would have been a little bit lower because you would have won 10 or 11 games. But could you have packaged something? Mm-hmm. But then San Francisco might say, well, Javon Kinlaw is not going to be there at 25 like he was there at 13. So yeah. it's just all these kind of dominoes that you think about. Um, so if Andrew Luck does not retire, I I would say that DeForest Buckner is probably not here. That's I mean that's yeah. just the reality of business and resources and whatnot. This question's from Corn Washington. If the Colts were on Hard Knocks this season, who would who would be some unexpected great personalities and storyline? Unexpected being the keyword. Well, Corn, I haven't watched Hard Knocks in a couple years, so um, do you watch it? I usually do. This season so far, I have not watched. Okay. Um, I would say unexpected. I think the funniest guy on this football team is Matthew Adams. Okay. A linebacker that, again, probably not a lot of people know a whole lot about. So he's the one personality that clearly stands out to me. Um, yeah, I'm sure Blankenship would, would get some love. He's got a following and, and, you know, was kind of a cult figure at Georgia. And I, I don't know, man, like it's tough to, I mean, what's unexpected? I don't like, I don't know. Is there some crazy dirt somewhere on some of these guys? I don't, I was filling in, or I don't know, maybe it was the other way around. Mike Wells and I were on the radio a couple weeks ago, and this was uh, peak Lou Williams Magic City time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Wells asked me, what, um, which cult do I think would be most likely to have gone to Magic City? <laughs> and I mean, you've got, you, you've got people from the Colts mad that Wells and I debated that. And I'm just like, <laughs> like this is why... NFL teams at times, they think it's the freaking FBI. Right. I'm like, we're having some fun. It's quarantine life. Get over yourself. Like, come on. If we can't joke about this, yeah. it's a simple joke. I'm not accusing anyone of committing a crime here. Right. It's going to a gentleman's club that I would say the vast majority of males in our country have probably attended one Correct. in their day. And I'm sure a good amount of females have probably attended one. As well. So, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I, basically what I'm getting at is I don't think the Colts are very loose with these personalities. It just, I'm sure there are some hidden gems out there, but, I mean, Hilton's relatively quiet. You'd probably throw Leonard back on the farm and, and have a nice segment on him. Would Nelson want to do it? I mean, I can't imagine. Like, was it? And it seems like to me, Hard Knocks, correct me if I'm wrong, but Hard Knocks really finds these, like, they don't care if you're number 84 on the roster. No. If you're funny and you got a good story, they're going to go with you. Yeah, half of the players, you always you normally get, like, the one star-studded guy, but most of them are people that you kind of follow along their journey and root for because it is the gunner on special teams right. or the guy right, trying right. to make the, make the team. I think, and you might know, was it Blackman who sang PYT? Oh, at, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like his personality is pretty good, and that's like a rookie coming a rookie off an karaoke. injury. Yeah. But see, that's weird about it. It's like the Colts might not want him to be in the limelight because he is coming off his injury. Yeah, like, It's just true. teams can be so protective, and I'm just like, <laughs> dude, if we can't joke about this on the radio, then why are, why are we even in the entertainment business? 
Colts fan in Cincy wants to know, what would you personally consider a successful season? Winning the division, making the playoffs, AFC champs, etc.? Well, before I answer one of those, I would say, um, me, a successful season would be somehow Jacob Eason showing that he's your franchise quarterback. And I know that's not the answer that Colts fan and since he's looking for, but like to me, that's the most important part of the season is and, and any season until you answer that question, until you can answer it, that to me is the most important part of this franchise. Who is your franchise quarterback? So that's very far fetched, mm-hmm. and the odds of that happening are you know about as good as me playing Augusta National this year. So, um, for the question at hand, I would say winning ten or eleven games. Winning the division, winning the game in the playoffs. You know, Kansas City just didn't fall out of bed and win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like there's there's a bit of a progression to it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that would be considered successful in my eyes. Joshua's placing the over-under at 5.5 for touchdowns for Jonathan Taylor this season. I'm going to go over. Okay. Um, not by much, but yeah, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say six. And which second rounder has more touchdowns, him or Pittman? Taylor. Yeah. 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 I um let's say Taylor's got um six, Pittman's got four. Nathan wants to know which game you're most excited for this season. Well shit, I mean September thirteenth, Nathan. We, <laughs> week one, one baby, at Jacksonville. Yeah. Shit, it, it's it, it's twenty twenty. I'm just excited for football. I don't I, hell, they could the Colts could be playing, you know, Wabash. I I'd be excited for it. <laughs> All right, Kev, this one's from Conroy. Peanut butter and jelly or fluffed nutter? You said unhealthy, and you said bread. Your move, sir. Yeah, PB&J all day. PB&J. Yeah. Uh, my diet consists of about six things, and PB&J is uh, that's one or two of those, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, from Ben, the Colts are about to have the highest paid left guard and middle linebacker and maybe corner. How, how do they make this work, and who may be a cap casualty at or at least not re-signed because of it. Yeah, Ben, it, it, it's a good question. Um, I would say cap casualty. I, you know, that means you outright cut somebody. I, I don't think that. I, I'm curious though, Chris. What do the T.Y. Hilton, Justin Houston contracts futures look like? Are they willing to take discounts? Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, as Ben says, you you are getting into a bit of a numbers thing. Having said that. You don't have the long-term quarterback. That's another of the, of the luck kind of things that I was debating. Of you know, if luck was still around, you'd be signing him to a mega deal here very soon. Yeah. Again, um, now of course a lot of people would be like, "Well, yeah, I'd rather have that." Um, but still, you know, I, I don't look at cap casually, Ben. I look at uh, you know more of just what does Hilton or Houston's contract. Those are the two guys that kind of stand out to me. We talked about this guy being an overall great athlete, but Matt wants to know how has EJ Speed looked so far in camp. Yeah, Matt, you know, I, I gushed about him enough earlier. Uh, you know, as far as where he fits in this defense, it goes back to really what I said earlier in the offseason. I don't see how he fits defensively this year. It's just you're worried about getting Bobby Okariki on the field. EJ Speed's another rung down the depth chart. So special teams and second teamer, I haven't seen any first team reps from him. This one's from Pistol Pete. What player do you think could do the best Ballard impersonation? <laughs> Pistol. Um, Joey Molinaro can do the best Chris Bauer impression. I would say, boy, I need a little twang. Um, give me Mark Glowinski. I think he went to West Virginia. 
linemen usually are kind of yeah. like bullpen guys where they crack yeah. jokes. And I could see Costanzo being good, but, I mean, he's got Chicago ties. I don't know if he's got the twang, but, uh, yeah, let's go with Glow. Z-Palm, hey, KB, have you seen the list of pending free agent running backs? Marlon Mack is like 12th on that list. If Marlon's value is sitting about 3 to $5 million a year with a little guaranteed, do you think the Colts could consider re-signing him? Well, Z-Palm, I'll never forget You know, Chris Presley sending me a picture, whatever it was, a few weeks back of these 2021 free agents um, at running back, and there are some extremely notable names on that list. I would disagree, though, like 12th down the list. I guess, like, what does that mean, 12th on the list? I mean, I, you can make the argument right now that Marlon Mack's the 12th best running back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, I, 12th on what list? Like, you know, contractually, uh, uh, yards in the league in the history? Because there might be some teams that have Marlon Mack number one on their list because he's so young. Like, that, that is – that's the most attractive quality to Marlon Mack in free agency. So, um, yeah, I uh, – I don't. I don't think he. He's got to be probably the youngest free agent of any of those running backs. Um, you know, as far as the money, I'd say right around five million. I'd. I'd. I'd try and try and bring him back. Tannenbaum disagrees with you. Uh, this is from Jimmy. <laughs> God, it took me a while. I was like, I was thinking Taylor Tannenbaum. I know. Works for WTHR. I'm like, I just talked to her the other day. She didn't say anything. This is from Jenny. Does the media have to get COVID tests regularly now that you are allowed at practice? Do you guys? Do you guys request certain players you want to interview each week, or do you get what you get? Yeah, Jody, uh, we do not get tested right now. Um, if the Colts were indoors for practice, we would be getting tested, and so it sounds like once the weather turns, we will start to get tested to attend practice. On Tuesday, it rained, so we had to stand. Uh, I don't believe in an umbrella, so I just put on a rain jacket because uh, I'm tough. And... Uh, <laughs> They opened up the garage doors, which is th- this is what they usually do for uh, indoor practices, anyways, when it's hot. Uh, so we watch from like that that walkway, you know, or walkway isn't the right word, you know, wherever the garage closes, that's where we stood and watched. So we socially distanced ourselves through the six openings of the garage doors. Um, so yeah, that's where we are at. Um, we request, and you know, the Colts do a great job of making players available you know Jacoby Brissett first time talking to the media was last Friday Malik Cooker was today obviously there are reasons for that you know there are some protections unfortunately this is not open locker room yeah and you get who you get so the Colts again they do a great job but some of them are certainly we haven't talked to Marlon Mack at all this offseason I mean love to get his insight on Jonathan Taylor and you know things like that but that's just that's just part of it um you know, I expect player testing to continue through the season. I know right now it's through September 5th, but, like, why not? I, I would assume that would that would be uh, through the season. Well, Kev, as you adjust your golf cap, got some golf questions for you. This oh, is from Sean. Ooh, ooh. First off, what's your handicap? Sean, um, it's, it's, it hovers around a five. Been a little better at times this year. Breaking eighty is is normally the goal. So yeah, right around there. What's your favorite course in Indiana to play? Oh gosh. Well, Victoria National down by Evansville is incredible. Um, by far, 
my my favorite. I love camping, Purdue's course. I love Forest Park in Noblesville, a nine hole course. I used to slide mm-hmm. down the ninth hole. <laughs> um Tippy Country Club. Great, great track as well. Short, beautiful greens, terrific design on the back nine. Um, boy, I could go all day, as I'm sure you know, and just to make sure we don't turn any listeners off, I'll probably stop there. Uh, who's the coolest person you've ever played golf with? Oh, gosh. Who is the coolest person I've ever played golf with? Um, I don't know, like a lot of one degrees of separation, maybe. Like, you know, my high school teammate played in college with Brooks Kepka at Wolf Run in Zionsville, and, like, I went and watched. I, I don't know. I've, yeah. I'm not – unfortunately, I haven't played golf with many uh, – Tyler Duncan, probably. He's on the PJ Tour. I don't know if that rings a bell. He got top 20 last week at the Wyndham. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I played – Eddie White, <laughs> he, <laughs> he talks a lot. Uh, Scott Dorsey had a high alpha. I mean, he's he's major. Um, yeah. And I don't want to botch this, but he's recently played the Ocean Course at Kiowa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kiowa, so he, where the uh, PJ Championship is next next year. So he wants to know outside of Indiana, what's the, or is there a, a, a better golf course that you've played? Yeah, I played Arcadia Bluffs last year in Michigan on Fourth of July. Just Very nice, awesome, awesome golf course. Uh, fortunate to play Torrey Pines, where Tiger won the U.S. Open on the broken leg. Yeah, and Valhalla. In Louisville, where Tiger mm-hmm. also won a PGA Championship. So, yeah, I've been very, very fortunate. God, Sean, I could go for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Be on the lookout for a Kevin's Corner Golf yeah. Podcast. Yeah, can't imagine that'll get a lot of <laughs> lot, of, lot of listenership. From Colts Talk, the Colts are in love with Bobby Okariki, saying he's a natural Mike linebacker. Do you think trading slash not re-signing linebacker Anthony Walker is, very, is a possible opinion or option, I should say? You know, I, I'd be... I'd be really stunned, probably beyond stunned, if they trade a Walker. Like they, they like him. Not resigning him, different story. But they really like him. And like, what are you going to get? You know, again, player trades for draft picks. It sounds a lot better than it is. So, no, I don't. I don't see that happening. Matt and Lee kind of had the same question, talking about Michael Pittman and the comparison to Allen Robinson. And do you think that that is a perfect complement to the wide receiver corp with the vertical and over-the-middle big body? Well, I, I do think his skill set and body type is the perfect complement. Um, you know, I've said Cortland Sutton mm-hmm. is kind of the comp that yep. I see. You know, watching Pittman in person, he's listed at 220, whatever, five. He doesn't – it's a lean 225. He carries his weight very well. Long torso. Yeah. Definitely not built like his dad. Um. I think the frame is so attractive, you know, for a quarterback of, you know, going back to what I said earlier of he doesn't create gobs of separation. Not many guys, 6'4", 220, do that. But quarterbacks are going to be more willing to give you a chance just because you do have this frame and catch radius that's bigger Mm -hmm. and longer and wider than, you know, many other people. So, um, yeah, you know, I kind of talked about my early thoughts on on Pittman um, earlier in the pod. Old Daner wants to know if you've noticed any offensive scheme changes with Rivers under center. Last year, Reich said he wouldn't change the playbook for Jacoby Brissett, but wondered if that's true for Phillip as well. You know, I I think it's more of you're utilizing more progressions within plays. I mm-hmm. think that's what it is. 
you know, there are plays designed, word plays designed last year for some deeper balls. But again, it is the utilization of those, of the entire route tree or of all your weapons that are going out on a given play. Mm-hmm. I think Rivers gives you more there. You know, there's been a couple of read option stuff. Again, it's not Rivers keeping it. It is unbelievable timing and knowing where to go with the football because this guy crashed or that guy dropped in coverage or whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I I think that's kind of the differences in the playbook and whatnot. The spoken word wants to know how, quote-unquote, physical the practices you've attended have been, and did you sense any urgency from the staff and players to ramp up contact and preparation for week one? Um, I don't think any more than other teams. I think everyone realizes that, like, time is ticking and, you know, what is it? Is it three weeks from tomorrow the Texans are going to play? Yep. Yeah. Um, three weeks from Sunday the Colts are going to play a football game. Like, it's, uh, shit, it's, it's, you know, it's coming, folks. Um, you know, we haven't seen live tackling stuff yet. I, I didn't expect that this early in camp at all. Um... So, yeah, I would say that Frank Wright gets it. You know, he said something in effect yesterday of you can't play scared. This is football. You've got to practice yeah. it. So, yes, I think it's been physical, but, like, going all the way to the we are taking guys to the ground, that's probably the one um, aspect we haven't seen yet, but we're three days into full pads. And Frank did mention that those Lucas Oil practices. Did I mention that earlier? Yes, uh, not earlier in this pod, but earlier before. Yes, they're gonna they're gonna have a couple practices at Lucas Oil. Unfortunately, close the fans, but a uh, Monday and Saturday. So our next pod will be probably Monday after that, mm-hmm. um, or maybe Tuesday uh, morning. That will be um, that'll be more of a game like feel, is what Reich has said. Creek wants to know. He knows that Andrew Luck is private. Does he still live here in Indy? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he was in the Apple Store the other day. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I get people that'll <laughs> randomly DM me and, and and say that they've seen him. So, yeah, I think he's still still kicking it. A uh, question from one of the. I can't believe he retired. I know. <laughs> it's okay. We're in joy. Remember, you're happy. We are. Be- we beautiful. Are. Beautiful. We are. We are. This is from um, what I can only assume. I did the Roman numeral calculator, nineteen twenty four. Cool. Hasn't listened to the podcast in months because he's been teleworking, like most of us have been. A normal listener, but he wants to know, do you think Pittman is the real deal? Um, Gosh, it's early. I think he can be a really, really consistent wideout in this league. And, you know, real deal to me is like bona fide star, top five, ten wideout in the league. I don't, you know, I, I see consistent 800, 1,000-yard guy, which is pretty darn good. So, um. Again, I, I, I think the biggest question is just creating a, enough space or else, man, you've got to become the the perfect catcher of footballs thrown at you because, you know, it's going to be a smaller sort of window for um, quarterbacks to fit balls in. So. Patrick's a longtime listener from down in Austin. He wants to know oh, which college that. wants to know which college coach the Colts should hire to bring in and turn Jacob Eason into something special. Is that a thing? I don't know. Is that is this like a Joe Brady reference, LSU, and going to the Panthers or whatnot? I don't. 
I mean, if Jacob Eason can't figure it out with Frank Reich, then good luck I mean, in terms of quarterback coaches. So um, he certainly needs coaching. He'd be the first one to tell you that, and he mm-hmm. needs development. But, um, yeah, I don't know of any college. I mean, it's not like he had an overwhelming amount of success at Georgia or Washington. So, yeah, I uh, Frank Reich, work your magic. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a lot of us Colts – People understand and know that Howard Mudd passed away yes. last week. Yeah, thoughts uh, and prayers to his wife Shirley and their their entire family. Yeah, terrible to hear that. John wants to know. However, he'd love to hear one of your favorite stories about Howard Mudd. You know, unfortunately, John, I wasn't around him much. Um, you know, his last year here was. Well, yeah, I guess he was here a little bit last year, but you know, was more one of those Tony Dungy, Jim Caldwell staffs. I would say a couple things stand out to me about Mudd. I don't know if I've seen a an assistant coach more beloved by mm-hmm. players that aren't in his own room. Like, DBs love the DB coach, and linebackers love their position coach, but, like, Robert Mathis and Dwight Franey talking about Howard Mudd, you know? I mean, that was Peyton Manning talking about Howard Mudd. Like, again, he was much more than just offensive line coach and – you know, he's listed in your program based off where he is alphabetically, not because of his importance of the staff. Um, and I would say John Tierlink, who unfortunately passed away as well, defensive line coach, I think last year, big guy. Um, he would fall into that category as well. I would say the other thing that stands about out about Mud is just the Colts really didn't invest a whole lot in their offensive line during those years and had unbelievable success. Yeah. I mean, if you think about that Super Bowl line, I believe the starting unit was, you know, Tari Glenn, first rounder. But Ryan Lilja, he might have been undrafted. Jeff Saturday certainly was undrafted. Jake Scott, I want to say day three pick, like round five out of Idaho maybe. Ryan Deem at right tackle, that's round four out of Northern Illinois. I mean, we're not talking household colleges mm-hmm. slash – I think about the Colts line right now. I mean, holy, yeah. you got first-round pick in Costanzo, top 25 or 21, whatever it was. You know, Nelson, six overall. Kelly's 18 overall. Kalinske's a fourth-rounder. And then Braden Smith in the uh, in the second round, early in the second round, 37 overall or something. So it's just um, that helps a football team so much when you have a guy that can mold one of the best units in the NFL, and you don't have to invest these serious resources into it. So, And there was turnover there. I mean, Charlie Johnson became a starting tackle, and, you know, uh, I guess he had a revolving door, a little bit of tackle once Glenn kind of surprisingly retired or or, um, hung it up a little bit early. So, yeah, um, awful to see, and, you know, Howard Mudd is the reason Chris Strausser is the assistant coach mm-hmm. of the uh, is the offensive line coach here. I I think I've told the story before. Yeah, Quentin Nelson pleading to Chris Ballard to hire their, their his college <laughs> offensive yeah. line coach. Ironically enough, and you know Frank Reich talks to Howard Mudd one day for a reference with Chris Strausser, and he's like, "Yeah, I got to hire you," you know. And obviously <laughs> he didn't cuss because Frank doesn't cuss, but um, yeah, I mean he's he's impacted. A whole lot of people in this game. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the common phrase you hear, if, if there's ever an assistant coach Hall of Fame, Howard Mudd is a uh, first bowder. Absolutely. And Grieve wants to know, would you gamble on Clowney? Feels like having Justin Houston, Buckner, Clowney, and Ture 
would be a great third down unit. Plus, he is still young while Houston is getting up there in age. Yeah, I would probably gamble, but they're not going to gamble. You know, we get this question every week. So, $22 million, sure, why not? Gamble. All right, five more here. First with Jordan. With a good amount of college football being canceled, do you believe the next draft will be filled with late-round talent? Late-round laden talent. Had Joe Burrow not had the year he did, he may have gone been undrafted at all. Also, how much more important will next year's scouting combine be? I mean, it could be massive. Yeah. Just massive. What's the senior bowl look like? You know? Um, oh, it sounds like Jacksonville might be trading Yannick Ngakwe. Um, mm. That'd be good for the Colts. You know, uh, I think there's just more guesswork. Guys are good. Guy's gonna fall through the cracks. Joe Burrow said himself, "I wouldn't have been a, <laughs> he would have been a maybe a day three draft pick, mm-hmm. maybe. Now he's a twenty something million guy. I yep. mean, like huge, 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 huge. God, we need college football. I didn't like seeing Notre Dame's numbers, campus. Oh gosh, I hope. I don't know, man. The South's gonna have it, man. <laughs> They're gonna try their yeah, hardest. I will take it. I will. I will be. Sign me if you could guarantee me the SEC is gonna play this year. I'd probably just." Sign on the somewhere on the line and say, "All right, yep, I'm whatever." Not only play, they're talking like fans in the stands. No, yeah, yeah. God, God bless the SEC. I know. I love it. Rick wants to know what do you what is the expecting starting defensive line to look like? Buckner next to Houston is Trey definitely a day one starter? No, he's not. Um, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner inside, and then I would say Danico Autry or Alkadine Muhammad opposite Justin Houston Turay. You know, I third down, I've said that, but he's also got to get on the field kind of quick. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he doesn't look like a guy that's coming back to practice tomorrow to me. And this is just me just generally watching him walk on a practice field. Like, it still seems like it's a couple days away. Well, you would think after being out for nearly a year, you'd want multiple weeks of practice before you played him in a game. So, um, yeah. I don't know. That one's a little bit murkier to me. This one's from Noah. When week one comes around, are you and other media going to go to Jacksonville, or do you have to stay here? Well, I don't know if anyone's traveling, to be honest with you. Maybe some will, um, but, you know, it's all Zoom. Everything is Zoom. So, Mm -hmm. you know, besides watching it, um, shout out to Jenna Fisher working for Zoom. What a just a terrific company that that thing has turned into. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, besides watching it from from the press box, that's it. I mean, that's the appeal. It's not like you're getting inside access or mm-hmm. anything. Second to last question this week from John. Let's say Rivers, Taylor, Buckner, and Rhodes all come out and play between a Pro Bowl and second team All-Pro level in addition to Nelson and Leonard continuing to play at that first team All-Pro level. What's our record and what's our playoff seeding and what are our Super Bowl odds? I mean, say those names again. Rivers? Rivers, Taylor, Buckner, and Rhodes. He's saying at a at a Pro Bowl to second team All Pro level. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, the Colts might go undefeated. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, John's saying there. Okay, let me see if I got this right. Rivers, borderline second team All Pro. Mm-hmm. That means he's the third best quarterback in the NFL. Right. He's not a first team All Pro. He's not a second team, but he's close. So that means you have the third best quarterback in the league, Jonathan Taylor. That's the third best running back in the league. You've got the third-best cornerback in the league in Xavier Rhodes and Buckner, and then you've got your normal All-Pros in Nelson. I mean, seriously, 
if you get that play from those positions, quarterback and cornerback, <laughs> fourteen and two. I like, uh, yeah. I mean, number one seed and the favorite to win it all. I mean, that's that's absurd amount of. That's two definite all pros and four borderline. That's got to be what Kansas City last year. Oh, How close were they to that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't. Chris Jones and Hill and Kelsey and Mahomes, sure, and they were the you know definitely the favorites. Mm-hmm. And like so, yeah, John, that's thirteen and three, fourteen and two, and yeah, it comes through Lucas Oil if there's not a postseason bubble. Last question this week's from Jason. What are the testing slash quarantine procedures for street free agents during the season? Definitely presents challenges to late in late and in week injuries and positive tests. Yeah, you can bring guys in now. A couple weeks ago, there used to be you had to have the intent to sign them. I think you can bring them in now and um, you know test them and then work them out and, and you know have a little bit more of a normal free agency visit process. So I don't think it's any sort of they've got to clear testing somewhere else and right before that, <clears> then all of a sudden, you know, you you can sign them or whatnot. Well, you've been out of camp. You've seen the progression there. Let our listeners know who want to know. How's the progression with Rosie? She's good. Um, I, I do have to mention this. I, um, I've i had some weird dreams lately. <laughs> I should have told Ben Ben, ben Polizzi about my – I tweeted at him about my dream of him oh, yeah. hitting in the World Series and hitting a bomb and Joey <laughs> Molinaire and I pouring beer on him. Last night I had a dream that somehow you and I and somebody else were at a club and I was in charge of Rosie. My wife was out of town, and I just left her and brought the baby monitor to the club. Oh, my God. I mean, I can't tell you last time I've been to a club. Right. Period. And let alone talk about great technology that the baby monitor could extend to the club. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then, I mean, we were gone for like five hours. I mean, just could I have been a more horrific dad? Dad of the year. I mean, literally. <laughs> Literally. That's hilarious. She's great. She's great. Sleeping well, and yeah, um, yeah. She is. Uh, she's awesome. So turned two months last week. Time's flying, man. Rosie Bow. Yeah, I know. My wife will go back to work here in a couple weeks, so we'll send her to daycare, and that'll probably really get us more emotional and whatnot. Oh yeah, that's part of it. All right, man. Uh, he's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. Great weekend. Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning. Again, 1075thefan.com. Tons of written content. Head over there, everybody. Be safe. See ya.